welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 169, part two, for Monday the 9th of September 2019. And coming up in this episode, I'm going to be walking you through my rapid release program. Now, I've recorded this before the 9th of September, but on the day this is released, it will actually be the day that formally my rapid release program begins. So although Now You See Her has been on pre-sale, it will be the day that it is released on Amazon. So what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to talk you through my plans, and they are quite sustained. I'm going to recommend that you download, if you go to the resources page now, look for episode 169, part two. You'll see a big orange button on the page, which will allow you to download the spreadsheet that I've created to show you what my rapid release plans are. What I would recommend that you do is that you work through it or you look at the spreadsheet as I'm talking to you and then you'll be able to keep up with with what I'm telling you and it will probably make uh, more sense. So as you'll know, if you've been listening to this diary for any length of time, this rapid release seems like it's been hanging around for ages and I really even can't remember the origins of it. I'm, I have to go back and listen to my own episodes, but I can't even remember where this concept came from, where I suddenly decided that I was going to do this. But when you look at the spreadsheet, you'll see that it really is quite a sustained effort. Now, I did an episode a couple of weeks ago that ran through what I was going to do for the rapid release, but certain things have happened now which have confirmed the order that I need to release the books in. And some of those are a combination. But one of the big thing is the book bub that that really changed the order of the way things had to go because it just made more sense all of a sudden. Uh, but also, I've, I've had to let a few dates slip. Um, it's become obvious to me that I needed a little bit more time just to plan some books, just little things like that. So uh, you never say never. This might change. And I'm sure as I go along, I mean, I absolutely know I'm going to have to tweak it as I go along. But this is pretty well the plan. And I'm going to talk you through it. And I'm going to talk you through a lot of the reasons that I'm doing things and the thinking behind it. So I guess this really all started was with uh, Adam Nichols uh, really finding out that he'd made, I think it was £100,000 over a period of about four months. And I've been following Adam for years, since 2014, I think it is, um, when he was just like you and me, when he was struggling to get his author career going. And the magic ingredient that Adam used was this rapid release process. So I was chasing him down or hunting him down for ages to try and get an interview with him. And what I've done is I've literally just back when engineered everything that Adam told me in our interview, where he talked me through how he'd managed to achieve that level of success. And then I've, I've added some extra bits of my own, but I'm pretty well following every step that he took to have his successful rapid release. So again, to give you some context for this, I, I've pretty well been living on the income that I take from the Don't Tell Meg trilogy for the past two years, because I've, I've now, I'm just about to have at the time of releasing this episode, my fourth uh, book bub on the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And, and pretty well the income that I've had over that 18 month period has bootstrapped my business. And Around the time I started getting those book bubs, I had written a series of standalone novels, and they've been incredibly useful for building my list. I mean, I've been giving those away for ages on Book Funnel and uh, Instafreebie as it was, prolific works now. So I, I've, I've made good use of those, but I never sold any of those books. The reason I didn't sell them was because I was having so much success with Don't Tell Megan, because they weren't in a trilogy, they were less easy to sell. So when I wrote them and launched them, didn't do anything with them really and they were sitting there with just a handful of reviews really like the first books I'd written and I was looking at them thinking I I just ought to do something with these these are all good books and I I just never did anything with them I used to joke about it saying I'm just going to do the flop it out uh, launch system which is where effectively I just put it on Amazon and just happened to take whatever uh, sales came my way 
and I experimented with a few ways of, of shifting some. I, I did get rid of a few, but never ended thing on the scale of, of, of Don't Tell Meg. And that's really why I'm doing this rapid release. I got some great books. They're standalones. I have personally found standalones harder to sell. I always refer you back to Adam Croft, who made his money out of two standalone books. So it's only because I don't know how to sell them, not because you can't sell standalone books. And I think really I wanted to come back. I had um, So Many Lies, which I wrote last year. It's just been sitting there. I hadn't done anything with it because, again, I, I didn't really need to. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So I had So Many Lies written. I had these standalone thrillers written, I think four of them, that I hadn't really done anything with. Of those, Dead of Night had probably done best. It's very well reviewed, Dead of Night, even though it hasn't got a load of reviews. Um, it's gone down well. I think it's just an easy read, a fast and easy read. And I just, everything kind of came together, really, I guess, as a pincer movement, hearing what Adam had done, looking at all these assets that I'd got that I hadn't done anything with, knowing that I'd got a great book, So Many Lies, that was sitting there and I hadn't done anything with it, and, and getting ready to write again. I'd done those three books for John and James Evans. I'd done the three military sci-fis, and I was ready to come back to thrillers, and uh, I just needed to have a plan. If I was going to come back to thrillers, I needed to have a plan, because... I didn't just want to write more standalones with no marketing strategy for them. And then, of course, in between all of that, I agreed to do a collaboration with Adam Nichols. And, and that's kind of where, why I am, where, where I am today. So when you listen to this or when you listen to this, when it's released, it'll be Monday, the 9th of September. And this is the day that I start my rapid release sequence, even though by the time you've listened to this, we'd have had a couple of weeks of the book I co-wrote with Adam being uh, on pre-release. So we will have made some sales and we will have had some success with that. And I'll be talking to you about that through the diaries. You'll have heard that in the diaries. So let's work through this rapid release strategy, the, the series of books. And let me let me talk you through my thinking with it. So today we're releasing Now You See Her, or it goes on sale formally. And we've We've been running Facebook ads to that book. Uh, I, I ran some in the early days and then we decided to split the budget. So we agreed that Adam is going to run Facebook ads to the US and to the UK. And he's running ads. He's running five, no, 10, what is it? 20 pounds a day. He's running ads of 20 pounds a day on Facebook. I am going to be running a budget of 10 pounds a day. I have been and will be running a budget of 10 pounds a day on BookBub ads to create the pre-sales. And um, I, ha I haven't put Amazon ads on this one yet. Um, I will put Amazon ads on the later books because uh, it's a collaboration. We've agreed to go 50-50 on the marketing cost. So it's easier not to do Amazon ads for this. It'll be BookBub ads and Facebook ads. We've also got some promos booked for this week. So we're putting it on Book Doggy, which is a new one I'm trying. It was about $20, I think. E-Reader News Today, which both of us have promoted on before, and Bargain Booksy. And those are email promos. So the book will be sent out to uh, lists of thousands of, of readers, potential readers. The book's being priced at 99 cents, uh, pence, and uh, we'll see how many copies that we shift. So... Basically, we've we've announced it also on our social media channels, um, and that's kind of going to be what we do for that book. It'll get pre-promotion, it gets promotion during you know during the release week. We have discussed about doing a book bub on it, so that would be a book bub promotion at ninety nine pence or cents. When Adam suggested that, I said, well, let's, we just, let's see how it goes. Um, I'd rather use that strategically because I've, I've never done a standalone before. What I, what I think would happen if we promoted that book on BookBub is we'd shift a lot of copies, but we'd probably just make our money back and maybe make a little bit extra. Um, and, and we might get some read-throughs on that. But it's not to me, it's not as safe as doing a freebie and going into books two and three of a trilogy. So we've put that um, on the back burner. Now, the model for each book that I release in this rapid release strategy is going to be the same. And the dates I've put on the spreadsheet, they're notional dates, they're, they're latest dates by or, or dates starting. So if I just run you through the sort of sequence of events, and then as you look at the rapid release program on the spreadsheet, you'll see that it, it kind of follows the same pattern every time. Now, the first book, now you see her, is unique because it's a book that's shared between me and Adam. So the marketing for this book is slightly different because we're going 50-50. 
when I get to book two in the sequence, we're then into entirely my books and the sequence will change slightly different. But the premise is that you put a book on pre-release a couple of weeks before you do that because you need to get the links so that you can send them to get the promos booked. So you can't actually let it go live on day one, but you don't, we're not doing three month pre-releases here. We're really doing them to suit ourselves because I, I need to put a book on pre-release because I need to get the link to the book to book the promos. I also need to bring the book in to my author profile so that when people go and look, say it, don't tell Meg, they can see the books there. You need to, you need to bring every book that you've ever written into your author profile because it helps to market for you. It's a, a landing and marketing page for you. The books go, they launch at 99 pence or cents on day one. They stay at that way for a week and then they go to $2.99 or three pounds. Uh, 99. Hang on, that's the wrong way around, isn't it? It's two pounds 99 or three dollars 99. That's the, what the price goes to. So the sequence every week is that they get, uh, bookbub ads. Well, well, for the first promo for now you see her, they're going to get bookbub ads. They're going to get Facebook ads. Going to get three paid promos to email lists. We will both send the book to our lists, our lists of email subscribers saying that it's now live, you can buy it. We will both promote it on Facebook and we will both promote it on Twitter. So it gets a week, then it returns to the full price. Now, I am, this book is going to be, I think it's about week three or four of Adam's own rapid release sequence. So I was really lucky with this. Originally, when we agreed to do this book, it was going to be week one of my rapid release sequence and week one of his rapid release sequence. But luckily for me, he got some, he recycled some old books, put some covers on them, did a re-edit. And I'm coming into the midpoint of his rapid release strategy. Now, clearly that's really great for me because he's already got a head of steam on his release strategy. So I was delighted when he did that. So although it's day one for me, it's not day one for Adam and he's already got he's already tickled the algorithms he's already moving himself up the charts doing all these magical things that you need to do and I'm riding on his coattails for that so the first book is, is now you see here it's an author collaboration just to talk about that I mean in terms of the collaboration uh, I pretty well I wrote the book so it's my book I wrote the book um but I sent the way it worked is I sent Adam a plan I, I planned out every chapter Adam read my plan and added comments to it to make sure that it, it fitted in with his style. Um, he didn't write many comments, but there were a few steers in there, mainly about uh, use of violence and then just a couple of things in the plot where he said, oh, it'd be nice to see this person do that and that, that person do that. So that, that was his input at plotting level. I then wrote the book. The book went to, uh, did it go to, well, Bill Cocos read the book and, and gave me feedback on it. Then it went to Julie. Julie edited it. It went to Adam. Um, Adam went through Julie's corrections and obviously made any changes that he wanted to. Went to a final uh, proofreader just to make sure we hadn't missed anything. And then it went live. So that was how the, the, the work went. Now, my view of doing this collaboration, what's in it for me? Because obviously I, you know, I've written the book or I, I did the, the, the work on the book. What's in it for me? Well, what I get from this is I get to ride on Adam's coattails because obviously he's, ahead of me as an author but also working with Adam closely like this is like a masterclass for me basically he's telling me all these little tips and tricks that I, I'm not aware of I'm seeing what he spends what he does how he does it where he promotes I'm getting this is like a masterclass it's like a mastermind or a one-to-one -one, um, with somebody who's doing way better than me so I get immense value uh, out of that and then clearly we would see how this book does as to whether I would write any sequels now already I know that his advanced reader copy readers are saying they're looking forward to the sequel so that's always a good sign um goodness knows what I'm going to write it mind you but uh you know in, in theory I have set that series up for sequels and I would wait to see how much cash I take from that, you know, before deciding whether I would commit to sequels again or whether I, I simply just make more money from my own books. Um, but it, it could either be a standalone or it could be a series of books. So really the rapid release kicks in good and proper when I start to release a uh, book two, because that's the first of my books where I have complete autonomy with the marketing that I do. 
The first book I'm releasing in my own right is a re-release. It's a re-edit of Dead of Night. And you'll recall, if you listen to the diaries regularly, that I was agonizing about a change of title for this book. And because this book's actually had some good reviews, it's, it's some, some books you just feel that you're not pushing at a closed door, that people just like it. There's no issues with it. And I always think Dead of Night's a dead easy book. It's nothing profound about it. It just rattles along. It's quite short. It's a lovely fast read. It, it just seems to get good feedback, that book, which is nice. And so I was going to, I was going to do what I did with the other books, which was to take it off publication give it a new title and completely re-release it. But when I saw the reviews on there, I thought, oh, I'd like to keep those reviews, actually. So what I'm going to do with Dead of Night is I've given it a light edit, which means I've gone through it. It's, it's a couple of years since I wrote that book now. And obviously, well, hopefully my writing's better. and I'm a little bit older and wiser as a writer. So I changed a few things in there. Um, not an awful lot because it was, a, you know, it was a straightforward and a good read, but just little tweaks that I wanted to make in the book. Uh, I've got a brand new cover, obviously, from Stuart Bache, which completely sells the the book. It just looks fantastic, and that's good. That'll be that'll be re-released, and I'll I'll ask Amazon to port over the reviews for it, uh, but it will be a, effectively a brand new book. And then, so this is this then is the sequence that I'm going to be following. The dates might not be precisely correct because you've got logistical issues here. So for instance, at the time of recording this, I have re-edited Dead of Night and One Last Chant. So those books are both ready to go through Vellum to get their new covers. And, and to be honest with you, I'll, I will probably put those on pre-sale uh, quite early, uh, as, as soon as they're ready, because it effectively buys me a couple of weeks of time. So although I've put in my dates, every every block of, of each book, as you'll see, in blue, I've put the um, sort of pre-sale date, but I, it, 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 that's the kind of notional date for pre-sale. Basically, I'm looking at a pre-sale date, which is a, a couple of weeks before the actual time of the release. About two weeks I'm aiming to get them out, but that, that date will slip. It's a notional target date. So the reason for that is I need, if I'm going to put ads up and get ads set up, I need to have a, a link for a page. I also need to bring that page into my uh, author profile as well for it to work well for marketing. So that's why I need to put them on pre-sale as much as a time management thing as a, a logistical thing that I need to have the, the web link. So when I've got the web link, I can set up BookBub ads, I can set up Amazon ads, and I can set up Facebook ads. And so that's the next thing to do that I'll be doing is setting up the BookBub, Amazon, and Facebook ads. And also, I need to book in my promos. Now, every week I'm going to do a, a BK Knights promo because they're only $5 and they work pretty well. Uh, I'm also going to do three other promos. Now, um, they're going to be a combination of the usual suspects. I'll basically just move them around, I guess. I'll, tr I'll try different sites, but I'm going to have to promo on sites that take books with no reviews um, because most of the books I'm going to be releasing will not have any reviews on. But notionally, Adam always swears by um, Bargain Booksy. He always goes for Robin Reed's and what's the other one he goes for? Robin Reed's, Bargain Booksy and the other one, ENT, you read a news today. And then I'll, I'll, I'll shuffle books around, basically. I'll shuffle book promo sites around. If I get no results or very poor results from one, I'll, I'll try something different. Um, but there'll, there'll be three promos going out and they'll all be scheduled. And then also every single book will obviously be emailed to my list. Uh, I'll promote it on my Facebook, uh, author page. I'll promote it on my Twitter author page and the books will start at 99 pence or cents. And then a week after their launch, so the Sunday uh, after they've been launched, the Monday, the Sunday before the next launch, they will return to uh, $3.99 and £2.99. They'll go back to full price. So that now is the sequence for my books. That's how they're all going to go. They'll always have the BookBub, the Amazon, the Facebook promo. They'll always have the BK Knights, certainly BK Knights, and then a combination of Bargain Booksy, whatever it is, uh, Robin Reed's Fussy Librarian. I'll mix and match the promo sites that I use and try and find ones that are most effective. They'll get released on the Monday. Adam says the best release time is four o'clock in Britain because that hits the US just right. And then I will send out an email once the book is live on the Monday evening. It, I will set the email up in MailerLite to send to no open. So on Wednesdays, I will resend the email to people who didn't open it, reminding them that the book is for sale. 
and there'll be a Facebook mention, just a, an unpaid post. There'll be a Twitter mention, an unpaid post, and that will be the promotion for each of the books. So the theory behind this is that as we accrue more books and we keep sending traffic to each of the books, web traffic to each of the books, um, Amazon kind of picks us up. We, we kind of rise. All the books rise, and so author rank rises. And as we've got more books, hopefully, in the charts, at some point, and if you listen to Amazon's, Adam's interview about this, at some point, he said about week five, he said it got a life of its own. It just suddenly took off, and the Amazon kind of picked him up and snatched him up like a, a whirlwind, and then started to promote him all over the place. He got caught in their engine because he was releasing so frequently. Now, I've never had any experience of this, and I have to tell you at this stage, before we've even started, I find this even, I find this even hard to contemplate, to get my head around, that um, this might even work. But I'm just going to follow the pattern slavishly and hope. So I'm not expecting anything. In these first five weeks, I'm expecting nothing because that's what Adam said. Five weeks with nothing. I'm hoping that by the time we get into the end of September, early October, that's hopefully when I will start to see some kind of benefits from doing this. But up till then, Adam just said just normal results, a little bit of income, but nothing spectacular. We're just going to have to play it by ear and stick to the plan and see how it goes. I've been really lucky because on the day that Dead of Night is released, the Monday, the 16th of September, I then get a book bub. That book bub is on the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. Well, it's on book one, but I make the money off the trilogy. And the trilogy is, they've accepted it as KDP Select. So it's only being listed in Amazon. Now, I should say that all of these books that I'm using in my rapid release, they are all listed on Amazon only, which means that I can get the benefit of page reads. Now on the first book bub promotion that I did, where I was in KDP Select, you make half of your money plus on page reads. Now when I interviewed Adam, Adam Nichols, he told me that 90% of his income comes from page reads as a result of doing this rapid release process. I mean, that's phenomenal. So what, what that's telling you is that he's not, 90% of his income isn't coming from selling books. It's coming from people reading them, from people effectively borrowing them from Amazon, which I find quite phenomenal. Now I can tell you my um, Amazon read rate has been about 50%, 50-50. So I'm looking forward to seeing whether that changes over the period of these promotions. Now, why is it great for me to have a BookBub promotion on the day that I launch my first book? Well, Number one, I'm already going to have the impetus that I've got from working with Adam in week one. So I've already got a head start in Amazon's algorithm and its engine. But as, as you know, if, if you've heard my previous results from BookBubs, I'm going to shift a lot of books on Monday, the 16th of September, a lot of free books on Don't Tell Meg number one. And because of the way I've got that engine sorted out now, I mean, it goes into, it'll be interesting to see how many it goes when it's Amazon exclusive. But I think the first time it was something like, I struggle to remember my numbers. I'm sure it was about 30,000 books uh, in that first week, uh, free books got into the hands of of, of readers. And, and then from there, people go on to buy books two and three. Now, Adam has given me a tip about this. He says, when I have a, a book bub promotion during a rapid re-release, what I do is on the book that I'm rapid re-releasing on the author of the Amazon blurb page, he puts a, a note on the, on the blurb page. I, I'm going to need to put a note on the blurb page of Denim Night saying, because you've got massive traffic uh, to, to that page, um, saying that I've got a freebie going on with um, BookBub. And then the other thing he said he does that in the contents of the book, so uh, below chapter one in the book that I'm giving away, Don't Tell Meg. He says the trick then is to promote the fact that you've got Dead of Night available that week. So to drive traffic to your Dead of Night promotion. To, so so you, each one is scratching each other's back. That's basically how that works. Now, when we get nearer the time, I'm just going to clarify how that works. And you'll hear it in the weekly diaries. I'll talk to you about that in the weekly diaries. But to have that book bub, on what is effectively my first day with one of my first books, with Den and Night, which is a book that people seem to like, it's just really, really lucky. And clearly, normally what, what happens when I'm promoting on BookBub 
normally what happens. Remember, this is the fourth time round, so people might be a bit blind to it now. But normally, I would get to number one in the free charts in Amazon, and that can obviously only help me in terms of my other books, which I'm selling. So again, I've recorded this before rapid release. As I do my weekly diaries, I'll talk you through all of this and let you know what's happening, what's going on, what's working and what's not. So when that the, the price goes up on dead of night on the Sunday, the 22nd of, of, of September, and then we release one last chance on Monday, the 23rd of September, that is the uh, the third book that I'm releasing, the second book that's just my own. Now, One Last Chance used to be One Fatal Error. Again, it, I think it's very much like Dead of Night, that it's just a very straightforward read. I changed a couple of minor points in that book. Um, again, because when you come to it fresh after quite a considerable period of time, there's really, really one across the board, and this is really on Adam's advice too, across the board, I've reduced the number of swears in each book. There weren't an excessive number, to be honest with you, but I've just removed some swears in there. And in One Last Chance, I it started with somebody's hand being chopped off and I just removed that to finger. So I've just literally changed the level of violence, I guess, and the shockingness of that. But um, One Last Chance, I think, is a good good book. I think it's just like Dead of Night. It doesn't hang around. It gets straight into the action. It's very tense. Uh, it's just, you know, a straightforward read, I think. And that's why I put those two books first, because I, I think they are without issues. It's had its um, edit. I've done the edit at the time of recording this. So I'm, I've got the first kind of three weeks all stacked up and ready to go. And one last chance we'll get the same promo effort that um, Dead of Night did. And now you see her. They're just We're just on a routine now. We're just on a regular routine. It has, of course, got a superb new cover from Stuart Bache as well. So I'm really interested to see how the covers help me with my sales. The other thing I haven't told you, by the way, is I haven't refreshed you on my budget. Because I've got a book bub now, um, I have managed to, I've, I've, I have to speculate about the amount of income that I'll get from a book bub. You can't, you can't guarantee what you're going to get from a book bub. So I've fairly cautiously budgeted what I think I'll get from a book bub. With all the other income I've currently got floating through the business and coming in from the business from book sales, I have now budgeted £185 per book for marketing. So I have got, I think I counted 13. Let me just do a quick count. Three plus four is seven plus two is nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. So I've got 185 pounds put by for the 13 books I'm going to be promoting in this sequence up until the end of this tax year in the UK. So I'm looking at this as a tax year to spend the money that I've earned within the tax year. Now, remember, I I have not, I've assumed zero income from this book launch. So on my accounting spreadsheet that I use for this, my, my author business, obviously I've I had to put money by to pay for um, three new book covers from Elizabeth Mackey. I've got a um, an edit for two years after to pay uh, Judy Cordoner. I've got an edit for Morecambe Bay 2, Morecambe Bay 3 to pay Judy Cordoner. I've got um, Helen Fazal was booked in to do the book that was called Who to Trust. That was never formally edited. It just really had a proofread and I edited, edited it. So I've got Helen in to, to edit that and I'm going to pay Helen for that. Plus I've managed to budget £185 for each book. That £185 needs to pay for Facebook ads, BookBub ads, Amazon ads, plus four uh, promos to email sites. So there'll probably be a little bit left over, to be honest with you, from that. But at least I've got a good a, a good budget for each of the books. 13 weeks at £185 per book is the budget that I've got for this rapid release. Uh, that's probably, it's fair to say it's more budget than any of my books I've ever had before um, on an ongoing, continual basis. So from one last chance, we go to another re-edited book, and this book is called No More Secrets, and it's going to be a re-edited Burden of Guilt. So this is the first of my female protagonists. And I, I think um, One Last Chance and No More Secrets, I think, are, are good books, but I just never did anything with them. Um, you know, of the four standalones I wrote, Dead of Night was the one I did most with. Um, but One Last Chance and No More Secrets are effectively brand new books, which is why I've given them new titles. And obviously, they've got new Stuart Bache covers in the 
covers are brilliant. Um, but I just completely wasted the opportunity with them. And that's why I'm relaunching them as new. They don't, I don't think they have any reviews. If they do have reviews, they're completely negligible. So I'm quite happy to jettison those and just launch them as if they're completely new books. So no more secrets will go out on Monday, the 30th of September. That will be the fourth book. Now, the other reason that I've tended to um, front load with re-edited books is that Adam said that's pretty well what he did. He he, he even said that the, the books that he started his rapid re-release with, because uh, remember, most of his success came from re-released books that hadn't done well in the past. One of them was even short stories. And he said I, I, he really hadn't sort of stacked the strongest books at the front. And that didn't seem to make an impact on him. Now, you know, I would have to say that because none of these books have particularly done anything, until we get to Don't Tell Meg, which I'll talk to you about right at the end, these books really are new particularly with the covers they're new they've had such an insignificant audience they might as well be new so I'm hoping that that really kind of helps when we get this all this momentum uh, going so no more secrets will release on Monday the 30th of September when we get to Monday the 7th of October that's quite exciting for me then because we're going to release so many lies so many lies I wrote last summer it's a year old it's a year since I wrote that and it's a 90,000 word book it's very substantial so dead of night one last chance and no more secrets they're all 50,000 worders they're, they're sort of 50, maybe 55 60 they might go up as high as that but they were written to be 50,000 word books which is I guess the minimum you can get away with and call it a full book and charge full price for it I, I I've certainly never had any problem uh, doing that. So, so many lies is a, is quite a substantial book. It's got a beautiful cover on, and this has never been read before by anybody but beta readers. It's I think it's a really um, strong. I think it's a really strong book, and I think it's also got a good concept in that it just appeals to a lot of people. I, I think it will appeal to a lot of people. I think the strap line is, um, you know, families keep the deadliest secrets. There's all sorts of um, strap lines and words that I've used around dysfunctional families and things like that so I have got Touchwood high hopes for this book uh, and it's lovely to have it out there after a year for goodness sake it's been sitting there um, doing nothing because I didn't really know what to do with it it's had a proper edit as all the books would have done by the time they get released so I, I that this is the one I'm sort of really start to get excited about um, so it releases on Monday the 7th of October it will still go at the same prices as the rest um, but it, I do think it's got a brilliant well they're all brilliant covers from Stuart Bache but I think that's got a really strong cover that book it feels like it's a really strong standalone and one that I could market pretty easily so from uh, So Many Lies we then move into the first of the box sets and the, the box sets are interestingly because I mean they are a new book product so I assume that at Amazon will will count this as a brand new book release and I've basically I've pulled together the books so that they're easier to sell and I'm being mindful of the long term here because I know that if I when I go wide with these books which I will do eventually I don't they, they'll be on Amazon exclusive for as long as I can sweat it and make money from them but a uh, long term I will go back to wide with these and I'm just mindful that one of the techniques on Kobo is that because you can sell your box sets for more than nine dollars nine pound 99 uh, these box sets I want them to have a strong integrity of their own so that they can be marketed effectively so this first box set is going to be a, a bundle together of dead of night one last chance and so many lies and these are effectively i guess you call them uh, adventure uh, ad ad adventure crime they've got sort of violence in them they're fast paced they're that kind of um, thriller so they, they, they'll be easy to sell uh, as a bundle pack those books but once again, even though it's a box set, um, I may change the pricing. I'll probably take advice on this. But at the moment, I, I've put, um, I've just bumped the price up very slightly to one dollar, one pound ninety nine, and then the price when it returns to full price will go maybe to something like three dollars ninety nine, four pounds ninety nine. I just have to think about that and just see how the rapid release is going. What I've got to be mindful of is I don't make it so cheap that people who bought the other books cheaply then say, Ooh, I should have just hung on for the box set. So I just got to be mindful of my pricing. Th those are flexible prices uh, at the moment. And I'll probably take some advice on that a little bit nearer the time. We're now up to Monday, the 21st of October. Remember, 
we're on book seven now and we're releasing one book per week throwing 185 pounds of advertising budget at each book so we're getting hopefully some pretty good momentum going by this stage so at this stage I now release two years after now this is a strategically written book um, and I wrote it to, to fill in the gaps basically to allow me to uh, to, to market effectively my 50,000 word standalones. So currently I have No More Secrets, which is a female protagonist book. I have the book that was Who to Trust. That's going to be renamed as Friends Who Lie. That's a female protagonist book. When I was looking at my standalones, I thought, how am I going to market these? I decided that if I write another female protagonist standalone, I've then got three female protagonist books and that then allows me to market them again to a nice sort of niche audience because um, my research on Kalytics has told me that people like kind of women sleuth, women lead books. So I can actually put those in a specific character category um you know to try and build audience for female leads uh, and apparently that is a hot niche it certainly was when i did my calytics research so two years after is another brand new book it's a 50k 50,000 word book um nice little book easy read very fast quite tense uh i love it i'm very happy with all of, all of my books will have had it has at the time of recording this it hasn't had its edit yet it would have been edited by uh, julie cordner I think that is that the first book I'm paying for. I can't remember. I've lost track. I can't remember. Um, paying full price for, I think it's the first formal commission I've made with, um, Julie. So, um, looking forward to that going out. It's got a great Stuart Beige cover. Uh, but again, that's a brand new book to a brand new audience. We then move on to my third female protagonist book on the 28th of October. This is rapid release book number eight. This is Friends Who Lie. It was, um, Who to Trust. Again, I like the story. The only reason I'm, I think I like these stories, uh, I wouldn't release them if I didn't like them. I think um, Who to Trust, The I think one of the, the few reviews I got on it, one of the reviews said, and this was a fair, this was a fair comment, is I put one of my dodgy covers on this book and it was, uh, it was you know, a great um, picture for a thriller in that it was a picture of kind of a woman screaming into a mirror the mirror was shattered so it was a great thriller picture great promotional picture but it didn't reflect the nature of the story and I when I got Stuart Bache to do the cover for this book I said to him this was a problem I had you know because can you I really don't know what to do and how to solve that and I think he came up with a beautiful solution really beautiful solution to capture the essence of the story on the cover um, but I took that feedback on the chin. I thought it was perfectly fair uh, feedback to say that I, I didn't get the book that I expected. And, and really, the, the book is, um, you know, obviously it's a thriller and hopefully a, an exciting one in which you're engaged. But there's quite a lot of fun in it. It's it's based in Benidorm. It's based in a seaside resort. And as you know, I, I love Spain. I love these resorts. And I think I've captured, I think if you went to Benidorm and you read my book, you'd say, yeah, that's the Benidorm we know and love. So one of the, my marketing techniques for that book is actually to sort of, you know, promote it to a Benidorm groups on, on Facebook um, and sell it as a Benidorm book for people who love Benidorm because it's got a lot of the, the key locations in Benidorm there. It was written quite strategically for that. But also it's great fun. If you were there with a bunch of mates in Benidorm, you'd be doing karaoke, going out in the bars, all that sort of thing. And I think the book captures that really well, but it, that might not make it a conventional thriller. So I, I do think it is a, a, it's a good thriller. I think it's tense right up to the last page. You don't know uh, what's happened. It's got a nice little twist in it. Um, but maybe one that I'm not so, confident in because uh, you know i think it's quite a funny book uh it's not a comedy book but i th i think there's there's a lot of well just just imagine it's a thriller based around a group of friends who go to benidorm and you you know if you went with a group of friends you'd be getting drunk you know you'd be doing a few outrageous things so, so all of that is captured in the book so um i still think it's a good thriller but i, I guess it's just a little bit different in that respect is there are you know funny moments um in that book even though obviously its core theme is serious. So that's us uh, two months in now. We're into uh, Monday, the 28th of October. And now we start to go into November. Now, again, if you think that um, Adam told me that he didn't really get much traction with this until week five. And so my week five is the 7th of October. I would like to think that by the time we're hitting week eight, which is the 28th of October, I hope we're going to get some, we'll have some traction by that stage. And hopefully Amazon will be 
taken on a life of its own. So the next book that I release is a box set and that's where I pull together all my female lead books. So that, that box set's going to have, um, no more secrets in. It's going to have two years after and it's going to have friends who lie and it will be sold as a, you know, female lead box set. You know, if you like reading books with fe power, uh, strong female leads, uh, this is the box set for you, that kind of marketing. And I will only market it to women. Uh, interestingly, I think my books play better with women. Um, I, I get a sense that um, my most enthusiastic readers are women. And the reason for that, I think, is um, I don't kind of do... And, 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 and this is not a criticism because I know that a lot of women love Jack Reacher. Um, you know, they're in love with Jack Reacher. Um, but... I don't, not Jack Reacher. What's his name? <laughs> is it Jack Reacher? Yeah, Lee, that's right. Lee Child's the author and the character is Jack Reacher. I was just thinking, I was. I thought I was just saying everybody's in love with Lee Child. Then. No, Jack Reacher. They're all in love with Jack Reacher um, because he's kind of a strong, steely guy, isn't he? Well, you see, my protagonists aren't like that. Um, a lot of my books um, have couples as the protagonists and the couples are always having uh, relationship marriage difficulties um, you know, things are going wrong. Um, I deal with uh, more emotionally based um, life crises. These aren't the thrillers, but the, the couples are, are usually going through hard times. I've dealt with um, uh, um, mental illness in my books. I, uh, I've dealt with uh, child bereavement. I frequently have de dealt with infertility and trying to have children. Um, I, de I frequently sort of deal with marriage stresses. I've dealt with money difficulties in my books so you know this concept when you write a book is that you put your characters up a tree and you throw stones at them you usually find my characters um already in the frying pan and the heat's turned up uh, usually in their relationship and then something happens um that turns the burners right up and then it creates the thriller tension it creates the danger the peril um in the book that's usually how i write them and so they have quite a strong emotional element uh, and so I would say, um, if I get, um, if I get kind of books, oh, it's a load of rubbish, it tends to be the guys who say that. Not always, but it tends to be. And if I get people who say, you know, I love this book, I want more, I really like it. And, and looking at my email list too, my books seem to play and read better with women. That's just my feeling with it. So, um, a lot of my Facebook ads are to women because they, they, they are easier readers for me, I find. And that's really just anecdotal feedback and from the emails I get and from the reviews that I get. They seem to play well um, with women. So I'm not I'm not going to knock that. I'm just going to embrace that. So we're now into week 10 of my rapid release. And I'm kind of going again on, on what Adam said. I'm hoping that we've got some pretty good impetus by now. And so um, also I'm now, I've read Craig Martell's book about rapid release sequences and what he thinks is the ideal period of time. So Adam um, did no more than 10 weeks on his first rapid release. So I am going to be following Adam to a T in that I will have 10 weeks worth, one after the other, after the other, seven days apart, 10 weeks worth of rapid release. But at week 10, I pivot. When I read Craig Martell's book about rapid release, it was quite clear to me from what he said, that he thought that they all work in their different ways. But it, I, the message I got from Craig Martell's book is that 28 days between books is, is optimum. So at week 10, that's the, the 10th consecutive week that I release a book, and that is going to be Left for Dead, which is the first brand new book in my Morecambe Bay trilogy. So it's a brand new book. Hopefully we've got lots of traction here. It's a trilogy. You know what I think of trilogies? They work really well. And when you've got a trilogy, you can go on BookBub. So this is now another book. This is going to be another series that I can launch in BookBub as a trilogy. And the moment I got the three books ready, that's going to get pushed on BookBub. Um, so I can start doing a rinse and repeat as I have done with The Secret Bunker. So Left for Dead goes on sale on the 11th of November. So we've got the, um, the the female lead box set goes on the 4th of November. And then Monday, the 11th of November is when Left for Dead is released. And that's book one in the Morecambe Bay trilogy. And all of these books, the next three books, have got their own covers and they're marketed as a series. 
of the covers, it's going to say Morecambe Bay Trilogy 1, 2, 3. So they're marketed and conceived as a trilogy. This is strategic on my part. Um, I'm launching new books at the end of the rapid release because I should have some traction there. So the brand new books hopefully will do, will do well, will do better. I've done another series of books because I want to be able to do what I do with Don't Tell Meg. Again, I want another series of thrillers that I can um, promote in the same way, a set of thrillers where you're completely caught and captivated by the story. But originally, I was thinking about doing these one week apart, but I think now um, what's happening next has been determined by the fact that I got a, a book bub on Don't Tell Meg. So because I got that book bub on Don't Tell Meg, one of the things I was going to do was re-release Don't Tell Meg after week 10. That was one of my options. But because I've got um, I've got this promo on it now, generally I will be making good money off Don't Tell Meg for three months after the promotion that I get. So if that promotion is on Monday the 16th of September, that takes me through 16th October, 16th November, 16th of December. I'll be getting good traffic on that Don't Tell Meg promo until mid-December. So it doesn't make any sense for me to take Don't Tell Meg off sale until I've squeezed the juice out of that BookBub promo, uh, you know, till at least the 16th of December. So, um, so that then determines the changes I've made at the end of sort of week 10. Now, I also needed to cut myself some slack uh, a, to be able to pay Julie to edit these books, but B, to have the ideas and write the darn things. I mean, they're 75,000 word books. Um, Le- uh, Circle of Lies is going to be my seventh book this year. I think that's right. And because even I'm forgetting now, um, Circle of Lies was my seventh book. Sure, that's right. And Truth Will Out is going to be my eighth book I think that's right I'm not not convinced I'm not sure about that I I get confused but I think that's right so I'm going to release Left 4 Dead book one in the Walker Bay trilogy on Monday the 11th of November then we switch to Craig Martell's policy and they're all going to be 28 days after now now I am trying to create a scenario with this whereby potentially if this does well I could sustain a 28 day launch cycle inverted commas forever i can create a 28 day cycle where that's just what i do now i just keep writing a thriller and release it every 28 days now this is so what this is doing is i'm trying to set myself up so that i could do this full time and generate enough income and never let that rapid release stop that's another thing i took from adam nichols he said what he regrets is that when he made that money he stopped and he kind of rested on his laurels for a while. And what you should have done is you should have kept going. So I want to learn that lesson from Adam. And I'm trying to set this up using the books that I've got in a way that will take me as far into 2020 as possible so that I can then start writing the other books. Now, if I have success with this, you know, say I have, um, you know, say I had the success that Adam had, uh, 100K in four to five months. You then get to do your post on 20 books to 50k and, and all of a sudden you know you're you're an it person because you've had huge success now I, I let me tell you I don't expect that I'm following what Adam does if I get half the results if I get a quarter of the results Adam gets over that period of time I'm going to be extremely happy but just say you get those results say you you do well and, and this works and then you know all of a sudden people are interested in what you're doing and they want a bit of a ma- of the magic what I'm aiming for, you know, notionally in the long term, is for me to be able to set up a 28-day release cycle, which would involve me writing six books a year, and which would involve me teaming up with other authors to write the other six books a year. So I'm looking at collaboration again. Um, and But this time, I would be looking for people to collaborate with me. I don't know whether I'm going to earn just a fiver as a result of all this. An awful lot of work, an awful lot of expense. I might be better off saving my advertising money and just uh, going on holiday with it. I don't know. We'll find out, won't we? Um, but this, to me, is best practice. Um, and if this doesn't work, I have to, I have to think about things. Obviously, in in the new year, I got to, I got to think of a different way around it. But I'm going to go through this process. This is going to take me to the end of the tax year and we'll know where we are. Uh, well, we'll know where we are, I think, by the end of the year, whether it's going to fail or succeed. So we're in the 28-day release cycle at this point. So Left 4 Dead goes uh, Monday the 11th of November. 
Then we release Circle of Lies, Walking Bay 2 on the 9th of December. And I've kept myself clear of Christmas releases altogether. I don't want to be in that cycle at all. The dates work really well. So 28 days later, we're then out of New Year. We're into Monday, the 6th of January for Morecambe Bay 3. Then I released the box set for Morecambe Bay, for the Morecambe Bay series um, in uh, on the 3rd of February. But I will probably start to submit for book bubs for that series the minute that book three is released. So book three is released on the 6th of January. Probably the minute the new year starts, I will be submitting Morecambe Bay Trilogy for a book bub um, because uh, it should have some reviews on there. It will have some traffic on and I, I want to get promoting that. So I won't hang around at all with that. The minute I can, I, um, I, I, and obviously I need, I need to have the products out so I can make more money from that. But the minute book three is out and I can sell through the series, I will start applying for book, book promos on that. So what are we going to do after that? I've told you that I get my book, book promo on Don't Tell Meg on the 16th of September. I want to give it at least three months to take the sales benefits I get from that. So 16th of October, 16th of November, 16th of December. So I will take Don't Tell Meg off. Probably it will come off sale. I'm guessing um, it'll come off sale in December uh, sometime, uh, towards the end of December, when I sort of see those sales dropping off, probably the end of December. And I will then start to rework those. I'm going to re-edit them. So I'm going to go through uh, I'm going to go through the feedback that I had for Don't Tell Meg. And if there are any sort of big things that people mention. And, and one of the things that bothers me with Don't Tell Meg is, is quite clearly it's been a successful book for me. But the and this is where reviewers drive you mad, isn't it? That people who like that book say it's like instant action, it starts straight away, it's non-stop, I couldn't put it down. That's what people who like it say. Then people who don't like it say it was slow to get started. And this is why I say I think it's the emotional element of my books, that people who don't like that emotional element, that to them that's slow. But people who like the emotional element, the relationship element, then obviously that's the tension, that's the action straight away. So I just I want to have a think about that because um, I'm going to look at them and edit them and say, you know, can I tighten that up? Can I is that fair comment about it being slower? Is it just that really these aren't the right books for those readers? I need to make a judgment about that because um, and I haven't read my reviews for ages, but I just need to get a sense of, you know, what's working those books, what isn't. And when I review them, if there are tweaks I can make, uh, it's not going to get a major edit. It's going to get a light edit. But if there are things I can just tweak and change or maybe remove scenes, if I could just change that to improve the book, then I will. So Don't Tell Meg will come off sale about the 16th of December and it goes re-edited back on sale on Monday, the 2nd of March. You can see I've got a clear sort of three month period where Don't Tell Meg is 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 off sale. Now with with the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I want to keep the reviews on that obviously. So I will re-release it. It'll get the same covers. Um it'll probably get a new ASIN and it'll be um you know promoted as re-edited and um you know uh, it's been released before. But um I do want to claim it as a new release. So it um it I, I don't need to get the reviews carried forward as, as well obviously uh, but it won't be a kind of burn to the ground and, and completely re-release that book so don't tell meg gets released on monday the 2nd of march and then we've got the the murder place which is re-edited that goes out on monday the 30th of march the forgotten children which is the last book in that trilogy that gets released on the 27th of april and then the box set the edited box set will be released on monday the 25th of may now just think this through you know this is we're starting this on, on the uh, what is it the 9th of september is it yeah the 9th of september and and with all these books this could get me through till virtually halfway through 2020 which is quite phenomenal now you know i may change my mind about don't tell meg i, I may not re-release it i may say do you know what this rapid release doesn't work there's, there's very little point in doing this so uh, at that point so my, my rapid release would go as far as it will definitely go as far as the walker bay box set which gets released on Monday, the 3rd of February. If the whole thing dies a death, nothing's really worked, you know, then I will just call it a day at that point. And I won't re-release Don't Tell Meg. But if this has worked for me, 
I need to tickle that algorithm. I need to keep that 28-day release cycle going while I can get more books in production. And so uh, I've got to do a light edit on Don't Tell Me. That's something I can do in the evenings. It won't take me... Uh, I don't have to dedicate a huge amount of time to that. But I, I need to make sure I can get the next books written so that I can maintain and sustain that 28-day release cycle. So rapid release book 18... I need to have ready to release on the 22nd of June. So January, February, March, April, May, June. So I can get through the year on existing books. I can get virtually halfway through a year using only the books that are in production right now. And then I need to have another trilogy written, or certainly I need to have the first book of the trilogy written and edited by Monday, the 22nd of June, if I'm going to keep this 28-day cycle up. Now, I've, I've had a look at it. The only way I could possibly keep up a 28-day release cycle is if I'm working as an author full-time. That would involve me writing, if, well, if we say four days a week, 5,000 days, that's 5,000 words a day. So four times 5,000 times four weeks in a month. So I can write 80,000 words per month writing four days per week. Um, and I know that I can sustain that. Um, that cycle, that period. Uh, I would be writing books at 75,000. So actually, I think we could take three days off that. So you know, I always overwrite. So I think I could write, if I wrote 70,000 word book, so 70,000 share 5,000 words a day, I need 14 writing days in a, in a month. So um, I basically write in four days, write three days, write four days, write three days, and I can have, I can keep that cycle up. But I have to, um, I could actually do it while I'm at work, but it would be too intense while I'm at work. If I wasn't at work, I think I could keep that up fairly comfortably with the rhythm that I've created. The problem would be um, with getting it edited. You'd, you'd, I think you'd have to do a Craig Martell at that point, and you'd have to have an editor on retainer at that point and say, you just do my books the minute I drop them on you. And, um, you know, you, the editor would be in a 28-day cycle too as well. Um but th this is kind of business building, and I'm way ahead with this. I know I'm way ahead with this because there's, there's certain points here uh, uh, which uh, at which this may collapse. And the f the first point really is that um, Monday, third of February. If I if if this has done nothing, then rapid release thirteen. Hopefully, it will be lucky for some rather than unlucky for some. But if if this really hasn't worked for me, that's the point at which I will stop and review and think about what comes next. And and to be honest with you, if I can't make this work. I think, you know, if I can't make this rapid release work with what I've thrown at it or what I'm about to throw at it, I think um, what I will probably do is just say, well, you know, that's it. It's not to be. Um, I'm just going to write. I'm going to continue writing, but I'm going to I'm going to write at a pace that just suits me. And, and the, my happy pace is while I'm at work, I like to write on the days my wife's at work. I like to write between the hours of 10 to 4. Um, I like it. Some days I write two days. Sometimes I write three days, depending on what my wife's uh, shift pattern is. And actually, I really like writing at that pace. I get plenty of thinking time. And and I and I think you know if this doesn't work, I think that's what I'll do. I I, I will concentrate on craft. I'll give myself more time to write books. I will continue writing because I enjoy it so much. Um, but I'll concentrate on craft, on improving craft, and I'll just release more slowly. Um, when I'm ready kind of thing so maybe two or three books a year something like that which let's face it compared to traditional is still a heck of a rate of release but that's a very uh, comfortable relaxed rate for me to be writing at one one book per quarter you know per third of a year is a very relaxed comfortable rate so um, don't tell Meg becomes eligible for another book bub in the 16th of March so that uh, this is why I've changed the order, because that now coincides beautifully, because The Forgotten Children is re-released on the 27th of April. And so I, I'll give um, I'll give it till probably, you know, 16th of April until I start to resubmit for BookBub. And then and then we're off. I, I'll, don't tell Meg gets another BookBub, hopefully, um, in 2020. That's the first opportunity I could do that. The books would have been re-edited and hopefully got new reviews on and all that sort of thing. And, and then it's all ready for a, a book bub. So, and in the meantime, I hope that I will have had a book bub 
for the first time on the Walk and Bay trilogy. So I've now got at that stage, I got two trilogies. Now, you know, you know that I can make uh, on a crime trilogy up to five thousand uh, pounds, um, you know, over a, a promo period. So if, if you've then got two box sets, you've pretty well got two book bub promo opportunities per year. Uh, let's say each of those um, promo opportunities. Let's just, let's just very conservatively say that each of those book bubs makes two and a half thousand pounds. That's ten thousand pounds per year um, coming from just two box sets that you just um, promote every six months. Um, so, you know, and then you've got all the associated sales that you can create around it with the standalone. So, could you could you see what I'm sort of aiming at with this? Now, there's method in my madness with with all of this, and the the um, the trilogies, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy and the Walker Bay trilogy, they'd probably stay on. KDP select, you know, for as long as I'm, I'm burning up reads, but the standalones are more likely to go wide sooner because they're harder to market. So the standalones will probably go wide because then I could also price the box sets up and I could do double box sets and sell direct and do all those wonderful things. But I think the trilogies, the two trilogies, six books and the box sets, um, they will probably stay on KDP select for as long as I can squeeze out reads and make, um, capital from those. And then the, the standalones, which are two lots of box sets, they will probably go wide as soon as I sort of feel like the fizz has gone from the rapid re-release. So that's all very exciting, I think. <laughs> now, um, that's just thrillers. The other thing I need to say to you is, of course, that I have, at the time of recording this, a series in sci-fi that I'm very pleased with. Um, I think the series that I created for John and James Evans or the series I created around their universe. I think it's really got legs. Um, I'm very happy with it. I know my wife thought it was great. She loved it. Um, and I know that the feedback from the editor was really, really strong on that. So I really feel that I've, I, I, haven't, I haven't said this before, but I, I actually think that my, my strongest books have been written for other people. So, now you tell her, now, now you see her, now you tell her, now you see her, the one I've written with Adam Nichols and the three books I wrote for John and James, the military sci-fi books, I think are my strongest books. And I was thinking about why are they my strongest books? The reason they're my strongest books is because I had to, I'm accountable to somebody. I'm not a free agent. I had to plan them and think about them. I had to get the plan signed off by them beforehand and I was not pantsing I was writing to a plan and I think that's the lesson I take from that and also because um, I also had to read their books beforehand and I had to write say prescriptively it wasn't hard for me to write to that style but with Adam for instance it had to be USA USA language it had to be USA small town it had to have a vigilante element to it as well um, American language. He didn't want over excessive violence and he didn't want swearing. So that's really all the parameters I had in that. So it was pretty easy for me to do. Um, but I read one of his books and I matched the style. And that's what I did with the military sci-fi. Now, again, the military sci-fi was still my style, but I had to observe the universe that John and James had created. I couldn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater because this has to fit into their universe. But I think the, the best books I've written have been for other people. I think there's a lesson in that. Probably the lesson is planning and collaborate with people. Don't, you know, don't, don't work as a lone ranger. Now, I need to look at the financial value of those collaborations. But anyhow, why I started telling you about this is I've only talked to you there about thrillers. What if, let's do some blue sky thinking here to use a corporate phrase. What if everything took off? <laughs> what if people like the sci-fi series and John and James are knocking at my door saying, uh, can we have another three books, please? That series could go on and on and on. Um, I've created effectively my own starship enterprise. It's not, it's not a copycat, but it's, I've created my own crew who are lost in space and they can have all sorts of adventures and go on forever. I've got, I've established great characters and that universe could just go on forever. And, um, I've also done the same with the book I did for Adam. I've got a couple of uh, characters or some core characters in a scenario which can just go on forever. So I also have to bear in mind that this model, although it um, it involves a collaboration with Adam, 
Adam may be banging at my door saying, can I have another book, please, in this series? And John and James may be banging on my door saying, can I have another book, please, in this series? And potentially those books might be quite lucrative for me, in which case I would be daft to say no. So, you know, there's all sorts of scenarios here. The scenario that I hope I get is that everything works. It makes money. I replicate even part of what Adam did. And, you know, finally, finally, we get a breakthrough with this stuff. Uh, I mean, a decent breakthrough, you know, a sustainable ongoing breakthrough. That's really what I want to get from this. You know, this pattern um, of 28-day release where I'm making you know, a reasonable amount of money and, and where I, I can sustain myself and sustain my business on a month-by-month-by-month-by-month basis and take out the peaks and the troughs that I've had over the past couple of years. That's really what I'm aiming for with this, a sustainable model. But then also we might end up with some collaborations that work extremely well as well. So, you know, there's a lot of thinking uh, to do. I mean, the thing might crash again, in which case the last book is is going out on the 3rd of February. But my, my feeling now, and I think it is useful to record my thoughts before we get going and before I've had any results, whether they be positive or negative, is you could just see where I'm aiming with this. And clearly I'll have to pivot based on the information that we get. Might be good, might be bad, might be mediocre. Um, but at least you know where my thinking's going with this. Now, you will hear on a week-by-week basis, you'll hear the results, the problems, the issues, everything that's going along with this rapid release as we do it. I haven't got a clue what's going to happen with this rapid release. I think this is the joy of this diary, that when I'm recording a diary at the end of the tax year in March 2020, when I'm doing my summary for that quarter, when I'm doing my summary for the final quarter in, in 2019, you know, we, we, we may have moved the needle substantially, you know, potentially we might have made some substantial movements by then. I just haven't got a clue. All I'm going to do is follow best practice. I'm going to improve on it where I know additional tricks. I've, I've just given it everything I've got because it does feel like a pivotal moment for me. You know, if I can't make this work, then I, I guess I have to take a step back and say, we have to think about what happens next with this. But I'm going to give it my best shot and just see where it takes me. So I hope you will enjoy following me on the journey. Uh, you know how this works. You'll hear all the bad bits as well as the good bits. You won't just hear all the good bits. You'll hear it all. And, you know, if this works, hopefully I will give you a completely replicable model. In these diaries, you'll have a completely replicable model. Um, for a rapid re-release or a rapid release of your own. And you might not have the number of books available that I've got, but you could apply the principles. You know, I'll tell you what works. I'll tell you what doesn't work. I'll tell you what was a waste of money, what's going well. You'll hear all of this in the diaries. And so hopefully, even if you've only got a trilogy and you want to apply it to a trilogy, you can take all the lessons I learned from this and apply it to your own author business. So that is my rapid release. It's been a long episode. I hope you did follow along with the spreadsheet, which is on the resources page. Any thoughts, any ideas, anything I've missed, feel free to email me at paul at paulteague.com. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that we get some great results from this rapid release sequence. This is being released on the 9th of September, the day it begins. Let's see where we go. May the force be with us. I'll speak to you next week on Saturday with the next Paul's Podcast Diary. Until then, have a fabulous week of writing and bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.